Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hello and welcome to our post-Thanksgiving show. Friday, November 22nd, I believe, is our date today, and we welcome you to the show. We're honored and delighted that you're here. That would be the 27th. Oh, 27th. Is it the 27th already? Oh, what can I say, Tim? It's all yours. I'll turn it over. I was just going to talk through my mute button, but apparently you couldn't hear me that way. So (laughs) I've done that many times. So so this is the day after Thanksgiving, Friday, uh, November 27th, 2015. And we're here to um, discuss, teach, and support the use and developing the skill of ancient Aramaic forgiveness with Dr. Michael Rice and um, Jeannie Rice and a host of others who make this uh, show possible. I'm uh, Tim Hayes. They call me Dr. Tim on this show because I'm a doctor of clinical psychology, but mostly because when I went down to Heartland once, way back when, there were three Tims there, and uh, I think we had another Tim H., so they decided to call me Dr. Tim to keep it straight. Sounds like an old uh, Monty Python skit. Anyway, <laughs> we're here to to teach and support the tool of ancient Aramaic forgiveness, and we sincerely hope you will call in or type in on the chat room and give us your questions and comments because that really peps up the show and gives us a chance to learn this at deeper and deeper levels. The more people we get input and questions from, the better everybody's process is. So, Welcome, Michael. That's Thank your you, cue sir. to start talking. When I say when I say welcome, Michael, that's your cue. <laughs> well, you know, I've got a mute button too. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Thank you, sir, for that introduction and uh it's an honor to be here with you. And we are uh finally settling into uh our home in Florida. Actually Jeannie's sitting in having her nails done right now. Uh since we started packing at Heartland and Jeannie's hands are always impeccable, uh, and her nails started falling apart with carrying and packing and moving things. She's uh, not done a manicure or pedicure since we started doing that at Florida. And uh, finally, the last box was unpacked yesterday, and we're we're about 80% settled in, so it was like, honey, we really need to go and get, go and get your nails done. It's uh, one of her uh, delights in life to get that done, so... So we finally did that, and thank you for picking up the show. We actually were running out early and then found out that we were running out of time for Aaron. So thanks for on a moment's notice picking up and doing the switchboard. You are appreciated, and uh, appreciation, powerful, powerful stuff. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm realizing from yesterday's show is that the whole game of appreciation is really uh, a way to support having Rachma active, as a state of mind, as the the energy that keeps us in that space where human life really truly comes into human form and gives us the opportunity to truly function as real, honest-to-God human beings. And when we speak of that, we we have a simple definition of a human being. Hold the newborn child, you know exactly what a human life is. 
And so we're looking today, I'd like to kind of focus on, we've the last few days we've kind of danced around this thing of on creating consciously. And I've had a couple of questions from individuals about this whole idea of being a creator. And so I'd like to draw from some material from our on creating consciously workshop. And our offering is that as creators, we create in one of two ways. First of all, you can't not create. You are a creator. And the way we create is through our use of mind energy. As I said yesterday, if you go to the opening words in the book of John where we're told it says, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. In Aramaic, what it says is in the beginning was the mind energy and the mind energy became flesh. Now let's look at a quote from a woman named Candace Pert. Very dear, sweet lady, and unfortunately she's left her body a couple of years ago. Uh, someone that I knew not well, but uh, had the chance to interact with a few times around the forgiveness idea and loved the whole idea that we could remove energy from the system that showed up in our creative process when we were willing to acknowledge and own that it was our creative process rather than talk about everybody else. But here's a woman who was the uh, chief of, she's a neurophysicist and the chief of the section of brain biochemistry and clinical neuroscience branch of the National Mental Institute of Health. And she was a research professor in the Department of Physiology and Biophysics at Georgetown University School of Medicine as well. She's the woman who discovered the action of opiate receptors uh, in the brain. And so quite a, quite a, giant intellectually and here's what Candace says quote and her book is molecules of emotion if you want to check it out further thoughts give rise to neuropeptides now interject here there's a an interesting observation that um, Deepak Chopra makes at at this juncture and he speaks of here we see the non-physical becoming physical. Of course, as if there was a thing called physical. We know that the truth is there is no physical, there's only an energy system, and the currency of the universe is energy. In fact, uh, I'll interject a quote from Max Planck uh, as he's receiving the Nobel Prize in Physics back around the turn of the 1900 period. He says, as a man who spent his entire life studying matter, I can tell you this much. There is no matter as such. Our entire world is made up of succeedingly smaller patterns of vibratory fields nested one within another within another. So recognize these vibratory patterns that are nested are how we engage in this creative process. And Candace has discovered the mechanism. So once again, thoughts give rise to neuropeptides and chemical reactions which produce physiological results. Neuropeptides, she says, and this is a molecule that's formed out of a thought, neuropeptides are the sheet music containing the notes that allow the body to orchestrate physiological and emotional processes. Now, we could read that statement, orchestrate physiological and emotional processes, as create life or death. Interesting, you go back to Yeshua 2,000 years ago, a grand physicist, a grand psychologist, and he says the power of life and death is in your words. And, of course, your words are reflections of your thoughts. Tie it all together, and it becomes awesome to understand. So Kenneth goes on to say, systems of the body exchange neuropeptide information, the mind-body connection in which every change in the mental-emotional state causes a change in body physiology and vice versa. Neuropeptides are the molecular language that allows cells to communicate. This discovery, she says, clearly places the physical as the last step. We would say the effect. Physical matter is the more energetically dense, she says, and ends up at the end of the chain of events. It is what we sense or see energy manifesting into physical matter. Feelings, and I would interject here, which are shadows of your thoughts, are chemical. This is from the head of National Mental Institute of Health, Brain Bio Research. They can kill or cure feelings, can kill or cure. Creative process. I'd offer that all death is suicide. We do it to ourselves. And we do it to ourselves when we refuse, when we 
refuse to become acquainted with the process of how it is that we create both inside of our energy fields and what, of course, appears to the eye to be outside but is still contained within our energy field. When we, we willfully choose to remain ignorant of that process and or are unwilling to do the work required to go to the depth of learning to decode what is stored within our structures, then we create according to the culture's mind, energy, and messages which are primarily focused in death. I mean, turn on the news. And, you know, you might get one sweet story about the child that was saved and the rest of it's about who did what to who. And if you follow that mind energy and you allow that to be your mind energy, then you will be in a state of becoming in accord with the mind energy you're focused on. Now, you've got to be careful of a, another disease process. There's got to be balance here. Another disease process that steps into the game, and that is the disease of premature positive thinking. When we refuse to acknowledge honestly and truly what is going on inside of us and deal with it, then we tend to hide it from ourselves and it ends up showing up as our physiology, as our diseases, and ultimately what causes is death. The whole idea of the wake-up sheet of the reality management first century Aramaic forgiveness process is to access those things, to learn to decode those things which could potentially create your death and remove them. When you th think forgive, think remove. So, cell biologist named Bruce Lipton follows up on Candace's work and he, he says this and he's talking about his own process as he's beginning to understand this ability to create he says I was exhilarated by the new realization that I could change the character of my life by changing my beliefs and of course if you're going to change your beliefs you're changing mind energy the basic unit of creative energy is mind energy I was instantly energized because there was a science-based path that would take me from my job as perennial victim to my new position as creator of my destiny. Environmental signals, he says, adjust gene expression so that the individual can adapt and survive maximally in any given situation. What controls the composition of your blood and therefore the fate of your cells? In summary, Signals from the environment, such as light, sound, smell, and touch, are received by the brain as perceptions interpreted by the mind. So here's another a cell biologist telling us that perception is a product of the brain. It is a product of energy moving that is stored within us. And, of course, interpreted by the mind that everybody's got a reality at every moment. And if our reality is based in hostility or fear, then we're engaging in what will destroy our human lives. The ability and the willingness to go in and decode that content, remove it from our structure, develop the skill of forgiveness, empowers us to move to conscious creation, where we create life because we create out of life. You know, 2,000 years ago, Yeshua said, the blind lead the blind, the dead bury the dead. What was he talking about? He was talking about those who lived out of carbon-based memory, out of the content of their cellular structure and their genes, and were limited to replicating what was there. Now, every other creature on the planet is limited to replicating what is in its genes. Very subtle changes can occur, but nothing major happens by choice, any other creature that we're aware of but humans. And so when we choose to access, decode, remove, that is forgive what doesn't belong, we're changing our creative process. So Bruce Lipton goes on to say, in response to the mind's interpretation, the brain releases chemistry into the blood. That is, thought, neuropeptide, now starts to circulate around in the structure. So that the brain releases chemistry into the blood that controls cell behavior and genetic activity. So if you change your belief and perception, you can change the chemistry of your blood and create your own biology. 
you are a cell biologist or more accurately a self biologist when it comes to controlling the environment of your cells. Now, if you live in the world where you don't have a clue how all that works, it seems as though things just come along and happen to you, and it's impossible to make the connection when we're in the state of denial between what's going on inside of us and what shows up outside of us. So when something's going on inside of me, and how do I tell it's going on inside of me? I'm feeling it. If I feel it, then I've got to own and recognize that it's mine if I want to be able to change it. Where the world has taught us to think and speak about everybody else when we're in pain as though somebody else is responsible for our pain. In this work, we define that as denial. And what happens when we enter into denial, when I think or speak as though something I'm feeling is caused by somebody outside of me? And how often do we hear it? You made me mad. You made me sad. You made me afraid. That really upset me. That disturbed me. And it's all about something outside of us. And zero responsibility in our language until we start to understand for the part that we play in creating that result. And so there's this multi-generational decision to willfully remain ignorant of how our creative process works. And when we do that, we, we lose the awareness that space is a fabric, it's not empty, that we're a part of it, and this intelligent field is subject to your energetic dynamics. It literally changes its structure according to the energetic dynamics that you engage in. In other words, it obeys your commands. Now, go back 2,000 years ago and hear this psychologist telling us how the world works. And he says it in three simple words that not even a Philadelphia lawyer can misinterpret. Ask and you receive. If you engage in a frequency, it is going to come about into expression in your body and it's going to come about into expression in your world. Once you understand that, then you can change the game. You don't have to be stuck in an unconscious process. There are three basic modes of operation for the human being and the human mind. Most people are driven by what is locked inside of them. No ability to refuse any inclination that comes from especially the emotional dynamics that reside within them. You know, take a look. I talked uh, the other day about the movie Bridge of Spies. Go see it. There are two conscious human beings that can consciously create. And literally the rest of the world, it's a true story, the rest of the world is driven by internal dynamics. Those who are not driven by their internal dynamics then tend to be controlled by the external world and what happens in the external. And I'd offer that as human beings, we are not designed for that. We are designed to live in inspiration. We are designed to bring forward something new into our minds, into our bodies, into the world, and create the new rather than playing out the old. So only one of those dynamics, you're either driven, you're controlled, or you're inspired. Only one of those dynamics is alive. Only one of them contains truth. Now, the world isn't much different today than it was 2,000 years ago when Yeshua was talking to the people around him, and he says, your father is the father of liars. There is no truth in him. When carbon-based memory, when the body's mind presents something from the past, it simply plays out whatever has been put there from the past. But what it does is it hallucinates realities that try to make of it a present moment. And there's no truth in that. There is no possibility for truth when something from the past playing out in the mind and in the physiology pretends to be a present moment event. And so most people living in perceptual constructs out of their past live in a world where there is no truth. I remember one young man who had invested a lot in a particular way of living. And when he confronted this idea, he said, well, Michael, if I accept that, that means my whole life has been a waste. It's like, well, 
Actually, it's been a learning experience, but if you've done things out of past dynamics, simply replaying, being driven or controlled from the outside, driven from within, then you're right. It's been a waste. Awesome thing to learn if your life has been a waste that you can change that. If you've done nothing but play out past dynamics over and over and over again. What an awesome thing to learn. How powerful is that? And so as that is learned, we can move into a state where we are tapped into higher energies that are based in the truth of who we are as human beings. And we source from being instead of reproducing the past inflicted dissociated traumas which hallucinate reasons for our insanity. You look at someone who, who tells you why they're upset and you logically explain to them how that could not possibly be the cause of their upset. And here's what will instantly happen to someone who's stuck in that dynamic is they will instantly forget that they told you this was the reason, like they were absolutely sure this was the reason. And when you prove to them it couldn't have been, and they'll create another totally different hallucination. They'll tell you a totally different story. Oh, well, I'm really upset because of this. And when you say, well, let me prove to you that that's not possible, that that could not possibly be the root of your upset, once again, they'll instantly forget the hallucination of the moment, and they'll create another story and another story and another story and another story. And that's because they're reproducing those dissociated traumas that come from the generations. Now, remember that story of the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years? How does a bright group of people like that get lost in a 30-square-mile area for 40 years? They weren't talking about a hot, sandy place. The desert is a code word for the unconscious. We are designed to live from this state of being. Again, hold a newborn child and recognize that your work, if you're not doing it now, is to be in that state of awesome at present love 24 7, 365, and live in the continuous cellular experience of love, aliveness, enthusiasm, and delight, even in the face of adversity. If you will do that, if you will. Do the work that it takes. And we're not saying this is a wimp's work that, oh, you know, five bucks in five minutes, tell me everything you know. We're saying if you will do that, then you will end the disease processes of your generations. So this work is about empowering you to heal anything that is less than love in yourself and to live in that continuous cellular experience of love and aliveness. That's what we're here to support. We are meant to feel out of being and our connection to love, not out of the insanity of the past. So once you recognize that's possible and you realize that this universe responds to what you hold, then you more and more are able to comprehend your creative capacity. There's an interesting quote, you know, well, a couple of them, another from a, a gentleman named Jack Safati, who's a quantum physicist, and he says that matter is gravitationally trapped light. If matter is gravitationally trapped light, who traps the light? Who directs the trapper? The trapper is mind energy. Thought becomes a neuropeptide. Ask, you receive. You must tap into a mind that can originate rather than play out past dynamics if you're going to become a conscious creator. And yet, kings don't have much use for people in that posture, so the educational systems of the world, by and large, so-called educational system, and if you look at the word educate, it comes from root educari, which means to draw out. It does not mean to put in. Most educational systems lock people into the rote replicate mind to just replay things. Einstein says the intuitive mind, this is the mind of being that we're talking about, is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We've created a society, Einstein says, that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. When we begin to forgive those things that hold highly charged emotions in us, 
that just take that word emotion, energy in motion. When we begin to learn how to remove those energies, and if you haven't run into the forgiveness process yet, we invite you to go to our website, www.whyagain.org. And in the middle of the page, you'll see a bullseye, red and white bullseye. Click on it. It'll open a whole series of links that will take you inside of how to drop into the hidden parts of the mind and dissociation and heal those parts of the mind. And then what happens is you enter into conscious co-creation. Fred Allen Wolf is a former professor of physics at San Diego State University and at the University of Paris, and he explains more precisely exactly how the creative process works. Now, there's a piece of the puzzle that I haven't seen in the world of physics yet. I was fortunate enough back three or four decades ago to uh, repeatedly uh, keynote at a conference called Global Sciences, And one year, a gentleman named Marcel Vogel, who was a 23-year senior scientist from IBM, presented at the conference. Awesome, awesome gentleman. And he brought with him a thing called a Delaware camera. The Delaware camera is a camera that, instead of taking pictures of the light energy that's in front of the shutter, it goes through a tuning mechanism, much like a radio tuner, and you attune it and when there is a frequency present that the tuner is attuned to, then that's what shows up on the photographic plate. Example, Marcel Vogel, and I've seen the pictures, was able to take a picture of an acorn. Attuned properly, not light energy bouncing off the acorn, but attuned properly, the picture that shows up on the photographic plate is an oak tree. Now, the average person who's ignorant of physics would say that's ridiculous. But once you start to understand that everything is energy, obviously, I mean, I would love to have phone calls from anybody who's ever planted an acorn and gotten a rose bush or uh, an ear of corn or an ant or an apple tree. It's never happened. Obviously, encoded in the acorn is the oak tree. Is it not logical, once you start to think in terms of energy, that if you had a device, you know, just like your television set, you know, there's no picture coming through those wires that bring your cable into your house. There's no picture there. But you've got a device that can decode it and turn it into a picture. If we had a device, it's called a Delaware camera, that can decode the energy patterns coming off of the acorn, obviously there is an oak tree in there. And you can decode that. So Marcel's able to take a picture of the high energy waves that leave the mind when we think of thought. Now, there's a thing in physics called the observer effect. And that is one of the challenges when you get down to the subtlest forms of particle physics is that it is difficult to do replicable experiments because the observer observing this experiment contributes a different high-energy wave to the experiment than the next observer, than the next and the next and next. So it becomes a challenge to replicate experiments on this level. But here's what they've called the observer effect, and this is the piece that, you know, they've just called it the observer effect. I haven't seen anywhere in the world of physics where they've come to understand that yet. Fortunately, with Marcel Vogel's input, ah, I see, an event happens. That event resonates certain energy in me. That energy in me sets up a wave that, if it's in resonance with the event, interacts with, solidifies the wave, and there we have the observer effect in action. So at every moment, we are energetically contributing to everything that goes on around us. If we're contributing hostility or fear, then by that energetic observation, we tend to add energy to the wave of hostility or fear and pull it out of the world of potential and bring it into expression. Let's hear how uh, physicist Fred Allen Wolf uh, describes that. He says, the only mystery of quantum physics 
lies in the wave-particle duality described by Richard Feynman, the Nobel Prize-winning physicist. Atomic objects, electrons, protons, neutrons, etc., sometimes behave like particles and at other times like waves. When does an atomic object behave like a particle and when like a wave? According to many quantum physicists, Wolf says, the answer depends on whether or not the object is observed. The action of simple observation causes the wave to collapse, producing a particle. How does that happen? Through resonance. You know, if I have a middle C tuning fork and I hit it on a desk, I put it in front of a second middle C tuning fork to the second middle C tuning fork. Because of resonance, it starts to vibrate without being touched. The energy transfer occurs. If I'm in resonance with rage, then anywhere in my environment there is the energy of rage, there will be a tuning fork effect. There will be resonance. And that will tend to come into expression. So, again... Fred Allen Wolf saying, the action of simple observation causes a wave to collapse, producing a particle. Now, what kind of action is simple observation? Nobel laureates Eugene Brigner, Brian Josephson, and many other physicists, including myself, he says, believe it may be a fundamental event beyond physics. We view it as the action of consciousness. Without such action, now here's a hard physicist out of the laboratory. Without such actions, the world and all of its participants would be ghost-like quantum waves and there would be nothing physical at all. So the observer effect changes the observed phenomena. Now let's go back to this genius 2,000 years ago that said the first order of business for a human being is to keep human life active in you. Keep Rachman. We use that word over and over. It's the word that when they asked Yeshua 2,000 years ago, what's most important in the law? He says, not love your neighbor, not love yourself. He says, keep Rachma active when you think of the creator, when you think of neighbor, in order to maintain self. So when I do that, what happens is that I collapse and bring into expression those frequencies based in love in me. The observer effect changes my so-called body. It is simple resonance that changes the whole structure of the world. And when I recognize that, I have the ability to function out of my human life to keep the filter active in my mind that keeps me on track with human life. It's called Rachma. It's a gateway for love to enter. If I'm continuously exuding a frequency called love, the active, live presence of love, then the tendency is for those energies around me to reflect and express that. We've talked often about the video that Jeannie has on the uh, website where these two gentlemen in England are at uh, Harrods department store and they find a uh, a cub, a lion cub, and they buy it. They take it home. They raise it until it's so big they can't handle it anymore and they crate it up and send it off to a preserve in Africa. About a year later, they go to visit their lion. The people in the preserve are like, are you crazy? We have this lion tagged and he's the head of his own pride and if you confronted him, he'd shred you to pieces. And these two guys from England say, we want to come visit our lion. And in the video, you'll see, you know, when they arrive in the area, the animal's tagged so they know approximately where it is. And they're out there calling. The lion's name is Christian. And so they're calling Christian, Christian. And, you know, here's a guy with a high-powered rifle, the person sent out to escort them because they know they're going to have to kill this thing. And this lion comes running down the hill at them jumps up on them, wraps its paws around them, and just like a huge kitten starts to lick all over their faces. And, I mean, literally looks like it's hugging them. Pretty awesome. But where the point that I'm working to make here is really, really demonstrated in that video, and, you know, you can't say it's because of suggestion or, you know, any of the other excuses that people who don't want to understand the truth want to give it. But, here this lion comes down the hill toward these two guys and, you know, it's like a huge, wonderful reunion. And at the same time, 
I suspect that this lion Christian did not, while it was back up the hill, have a conversation with his wife as the female, totally wild lion, never exposed to humans, comes down the hill and walks over to these guys and rubs against them like a giant kitten and lets them pet her. An energy field is created between these two men and this lion. And it is the energy field I would offer of love. Any circumstance or situation where you maintain that, this genius piece of advice from Yeshua 2,000 years ago. People think he taught religion. He didn't teach religion. He taught how to live as a human being. He said, I come to bring you life and bring it more abundantly. And so here, even the wild, the huntrix, you know, the female lion is the one that does the hunting. So the huntrix comes down the hill and acts like a giant kitten rubbing against these guys. That's the power of the active presence of love. Do you find yourself being attacked? Have you wondered why? Why do so many people make me angry? Why do so many people upset me? Why do I always have so many reasons to be disturbed? Well, stop your denial. The pretense that your disturbance has got to do with somebody or something else is your lie and keeps you dissociated from the part of you that needs to be healed. Why do so many things seem to upset you and disturb you? Because you have upset and disturbance in you. Stop your denial. Stop pretending that you don't have that in you. Own it and you can forgive it. And the same thing will happen tomorrow as happened today, and you'll stand in a space of love and sweetness instead of in the hostility or fear that you've dissociated from that brings about the circumstances that you so protest. Thanksgiving, our show yesterday, if you weren't on the show, we invite you to go back and listen. I think it was really very powerful. We reviewed some of the science, some of the uh, laboratory research done on uh, appreciation and the physiological, mental, and emotional results. It is one of the ways to strengthen and maintain this filter rachma powerful thing to do and if you weren't there we came up with a uh, a suggestion actually that came from the minister of the church we went to last sunday and she suggested that uh each person write five things that they appreciate about someone every day and send it to them it's something that uh, Jeannie and i started uh sunday and uh we've been doing it and we're going to continue to do it and it, as you start to focus that that filter of rachma becomes strengthened in you it becomes activated in you and the hostility and fear that you know in the culture and in many family systems are so rampant begins to decay away you know if your power person is someone who lived in hostility or fear why do you find so many things to be hostile or fearful about because you just inherited the energy and the modeling of your power person to do hostility and fear so yeah you can find a thousand reasons but there'll only be one reason and that's because that hostility or fear that disturbance that anger that frustration that rage is inside of you and when you choose to heal those parts of you, then the game changes. And we're here to change, support you in changing your game if you choose to. Now, of course, if you don't, that's your business. But that's what we're here to do. And, of course, as we teach it, we get to learn it. And so, Dr. Tim, does that stimulate any thoughts for you for, uh, for our post-Thanksgiving show? Yes, that was delightful. Um, had someone in the chat room say, I'm really enjoying, loving this intro today. And um, I I came in with something to share uh, on today's show. Yesterday I was so engaged in um, preparing the turkey for my family's Thanksgiving day that I completely forgot about the show, even though I had planned to be on and share this. And it, it springs from several discussions we've had over time and and especially the last time you were responding to questions about ho'oponopono and the four statements in ho'oponopono which are uh, to my mind it's it's a prayer it's a mantra it's a process and it's four statements said over and over and over again in any order 
whenever one notices an internal trigger of upset. And those four statements are, thank you, I love you, please forgive me, I'm sorry. And you can say them in any order. And on a recent show, maybe Monday or Tuesday of this week, you went through a systematic analysis of those statements and how they might be reformatted to be in alignment with the ancient Aramaic understanding of forgiveness and regulatory speech and everything you were just talking about today with the mind energy being a creative force and being under our direction. Uh, simple things like, you know, rather than saying I'm sorry, which means, you know, I'm, I'm planting the energy of I am a sorry person, and that's a mind energy that has its own vibrational impact, um, I can say I apologize. And after you were done talking on the show, you asked me, you know, if it stirred up any thoughts for me, and my thoughts were, what if we created a phrase or a word or a series of words put together which we could then define as meaning all those things that you said on the show the other day and you invited somebody to right. you know transcribe it and, well that was just kind of bouncing around within me and so I've been working with this for a, a little while now and I came up with the phrase um, based on a lot of different things that I've learned from you and experienced in the show over the last four, almost five years now. And so here's the phrase that I've been working with. I engage in radical process and offer it with appreciation to you, to myself, and all of our relations and generations. And to have that phrase mean everything about dismantling the energies in me that are less than love, everything about recognizing that every human being, every energy that I look upon and, and it seems to appear to me as a separate person came into this world as that energy of creation that we all describe as love when we hold a newborn. Every person has within their bloodline all of the same stuff that I have within mine. And the recognition that focusing on our true nature as the energy of love builds that and then removing everything that's less than that energy from my system, forgiving it, dismantling it, canceling it, offering it to this higher guidance which some would call the Holy Spirit or Ruka de Kucha from the ancient Aramaic to be processed radically and more rapidly than my conscious logical mind could ever even begin to understand that that process is something I want to offer myself and anyone around me anytime I'm triggered. And my new phrase for that I've been working with for a while is I engage in radical process and offer it with appreciation to you, to myself, and all of our relations and generations. Cool. Powerful. Powerful. You know, we could uh, perhaps sum that up maybe by adding one little addendum to it, Tim, and take the Aramaic word shebag, forgive, and you know, sum it up with shebag, and that is I cancel my current goal in order to engage in radical process and uh, offer that to you, to myself, that uh, maybe we could start to language more and more. The word shebag is meaning that, bringing in more than just the word cancel from the Aramaic, and that would be uh, uh, a way to sum it up so that it just becomes common knowledge within the community, within the world, that that's what forgiveness is about. Well, and my intent for this is to continue to work with this and refine this and then have, you know, a page or several pages or paragraphs that define what I mean by 
radical process. And I'm using the word process here because, as you've talked about in this work, to process someone means to hold the space of love for them in the presence of something unlike love coming to conscious awareness. And the word radical came to me as this fundamental at the deep roots beyond what the conscious logical mind can can comprehend. And the, I wanted the word appreciation in there because of its vibration, because of the gratitude. And I've, I'm taking all our relations and generations from your, you know, your knowledge of the Native American and Matakwiasan and the idea that it, we're not in this alone. We, we got hey. here at the end of a process. And we are in a process. I shouldn't say at the end of a process. We got here through a process, and we are in that process. Right, and and upgrading the process through creative inspiration as creators are designed to. It's interesting when you go back to that uh, statement in the creation story about and man was created and then was told to go and replenish and re- reproduce and replenish the, the earth. And it's interesting, most everybody obeyed that command to go reproduce. But uh, but replenish is, is a word that isn't well understood, and it means bring to completion. And so as we bring this to completion, this process of creating, then we've we've opened the space for the next step and who knows what the next step is in this creative process called life so awesome i love it tim thank you you're welcome i had the request from somebody in the chat room to type that in so i'm trying to do that now uh the spelling cool. that you have with our letters for the word shebag is it s-h-b-a-g Yes. It's shebag. Actually, that's past tense, shebag or shabak. But, yeah, it's H-B-A-G, shebag. And, again, it literally means to cancel, to let loose, or to untie in Aramaic. It doesn't mean let somebody else off the hook. Yeah, and that, that would be part of what we would put in this, you know, take from the transcript of the show earlier this week and, and then rework with, you know, your definitions from the ancient Aramaic. So we've got some paragraphs to help define this, but then I've got yes. this shorthand I can use the way I would use Ho'oponopono or the concept of resetting the filters in my mind to love. This It just It just seemed to me as I was listening to you the other day that it would be good to have a set of words that we – redefine as engaging in this process. Awesome. I love it. I love you being on the team. Thank you, sir. Well, you're entirely welcome and deserving. Currently, we don't have any hands up, but we do have uh, a full 11 minutes or 10 minutes left. So if anybody uh, would press one, you'll be first in line. If you've got a comment, a question, anything that I've said that you know, perhaps doesn't make sense or needs refinement or uh, you don't agree with or you do agree with if you've got a thought about it. You know, if I were in your hometown at your local library doing this presentation and you'd been in the audience, when I got up out of my seat, seat and finished the presentation, you'd come over to me and you'd have a question. What would your question be? What would you say about that introduction and what Dr. Tim has just shared with us? What would enhance your understanding of it? And if we can enhance that, we'd love to hear your refined question because it is the questioning that really gives power to the process. So how can we support you? 646, if you're in one of those stations that um, that we can't see in our control panel, uh, or you're in the chat room and you have a question for us. And if you're not a member in the chat room, you can't type. So just a simple, you know, membership thing in in um, Blog Talk. They're they're private. They don't give your information out. And uh, if you just uh, hit that, 
uh, button you can register quickly and uh, that can you can put questions in but if you if you don't have access to that our call in number is 646 200 4169 and if you hit 1 once you're in the phone queue a little hand will magically go up you know the technology here i am in bradenton florida or as our uh, gps calls it bradenton florida <laughs> and dr tim is in chicago the switchboard is in new york city and when you push 1 if you're in timbuktu hands going to go up in front of dr tim's computer screen uh, it's just I am so appreciative of this technology that it gives us the ability to interact with you on a five-day-a-week basis. It gives us these wonderful archives. And by the way, Tim, we're now we're getting ready in the new year to go into our sixth year of the show. So we've got we're coming up to completion of five full years and heading into our sixth year. And so, if you have a question for us. We'd love to hear your sweet voice. We'd love to hear your question. You know, it's it's really the questioning that is the most important piece of the process. You know, if we have a clear mind, once the right question's asked, then the answer through resonance has to come forward. You know, if we can, I think it was, uh, who was it? Emerson, I think, said, get your bloated nothingness out of the way. If we can get our bloated nothingness out of the way, the non-being mind, that self from the past, to be still and to be quiet, and, and it's an important key in the process is you've got to give that, time, that thing time to be quiet. You've got to shut down the stimulation of the world. You can't sit in front of the TV set day in and day out and expect to do your work. It's not going to happen because all of those frequencies going on, coming over that screen, uh, coming out of a busy life, keep the carbon-based memory moving, and when it's moving, the still small voice can't be heard. But, you know, one of the, to me, one of the things I really appreciate about doing this work is I get to interact with so many thousands of people who have refined their questioning ability, and it's a question I've never thought of or a challenge that's never occurred to me. And if I can be still and receive that question, then that frequency opens the space for the answer to come through. So, what would you want to ask Dr. Tim or myself if you had been at a presentation we were doing? And if you push one, that'll put a little hand up on the phone, too. We'd love to hear from you. So no one is uh, pressing one just yet. We've got a full five minutes to offer someone. So I will just uh, say it again in summary. This is what I typed in the uh, chat room for um, one of the people who asked me to do that. Here's a... Here's a mantra, here's a process similar to Ho'oponopono that I've been working with for a few days now. Whenever I get triggered or upset, I stop, take a breath, and say to myself, I shebag and cancel all current goals and engage in radical process and offer it with appreciation to you, to myself, and all of our relations and generations. Comments, questions, answers, reactions, 646-200-4169. We have 11, 12, 13 people on and off on the phone lines and several people in the chat room, so... Raise a hand or type a question, comment, an answer. You know, Tim, if we don't have a question, another thought that comes, and this is out of the On Creating Consciously workshop. The um, 2,000 years ago, Yeshua introduced a really uh, amazing concept to people that still to this day is not understood by most. And he says, the Father within me does the works. You know, when he talks about that thing about people who are living out of carbon-based memory, he says, your, your, your Father, that is the source of your mind energy, is the Father of liars. There's no truth in him because it's all about the past, pretending to be the present and giving us a present moment experience. He speaks of his Father, that he has a different Father than everyone else, a different source of his thinking and of his mind energy. And, and he tells him this really just amazing thing, and that is that the Father within does the works, and when he asks for something, 
then he receives it. And, you know, a, a, a good way to d- demonstrate that, I have a, a kind of a fun uh, example that I use, and that is that everybody in our audience knows how to raise your arm, right? Everybody's got an arm. Says, yeah, I know how to raise my arm. And I offer that if you know how to raise your arm, and this is rhetorical, but if you know how to raise your arm, I want you to explain it to me. I want you to tell me what brain cells fire in what part of the brain, what the voltages are, what the current flow is from those brain cells through which nerve pathways to which muscles, and what are the balances and counterbalances that allow you to raise your arm. And the truth is you don't have a clue. The best physiologist in the world doesn't have a clue. So we don't know how to do it, but we set an energy, an image, and the power that resides within us, what Yeshua called the Father, goes to work. So if I say, boy, I don't ever want somebody to scream at me like that again, I just set a frequency into motion, and the Father will pull. Let's see, where can we find somebody? Oh, there's a guy about three blocks away. Let's call him over and see if he can scream at them. That's what we've asked for. So it's the frequencies that move in us that produce the results of our creative dynamics. So I'm going to ask everyone in our audience to just, you know, sit still for a moment. And unless you're driving, pay attention to the road, of course. But allow yourself for a moment to see in your mind's eye, about a foot in front of you, a frog. And I want you to reach out and take a hold of that frog. And as you take a hold of it, I'm going to ask you to take it back so you can look really closely at it. Take it up to your nose. Take a big whiff. Get a a real sense of the smell of that frog. And then describe it to me. And having done this hundreds of times in in different workshops, we'll get people who will talk about this green animal with buggy eyes or this slimy creature or this thing with, uh, with suction cups on the ends of its toes we'll get a whole series of descriptions of, you know, the common definition of a frog. And then I point out that what I placed in front of you that you were to reach for a frog is a three by three by three styrofoam cube. Florists use it to stick flowers into in their flower arrangements. It's called a frog. But notice that the power that reaches your arm out could only reach for what fired in your brain cells. And if you reach for a green animal, it's because you gave the instruction to that power to reach for a green animal. If there is a dissociated or a hidden part of your mind, you say to somebody else, you made me angry, you upset me, then that denial causes you to dissociate from that. And every time that you make a request regarding that situation, the request once again goes out for upset. The the power within you reaches for and brings you what has resonated in you the same way that the power within you reached for a green animal instead of a piece of styrofoam. Ask and you receive. It's how the universe works. It's how the creative process works. And we're here to support you in being a fully conscious creator. Yeshua says you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother. That's not a bleeding heart statement. What he's speaking is heart is the unconscious. You've got to remove from your unconscious that which you hallucinate into your brain's image of your brother if you want to be free of it. You can't keep sitting around talking about, thinking about how they upset and disturbed you. The upset and disturbance you're feeling is within you. That's why you're feeling it. Forgiveness is the key. Check out whyagain.org, click the bullseye. The whole explanation is there. If you're ready to take your work to the next level, especially if you're up there in winter, in February, uh, February 1st to March 4th, we're going to be doing a nine-day codependence to interdependence communication practicum. That nine-day will turn into a 16-day, and then we'll follow it up with a 16-day laws of living. So we've got three different intensives possible in February. If you want to take your work to the next level, Come and join us. It's going to be a small, very intense group. There's only room for 12 people. And so come and play. We'd love to have you. In the meantime, 
Appreciate Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Evolving continuously.